Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. And uh, before we talk about the Buffs, uh, I want to talk to you just a little bit more about Drift Car Sharing. So, uh, who wants to make some money? Everyone wants to make more money. And one of the best new ways to do it is by sharing your car with people visiting Denver through Drift. So basically, it works like this. You go to the Denver International Airport, you drop your car off, uh, you park for free, then somebody rents out your car, uses it, and then Drift cleans it for you after. So basically, you don't have to pay for parking at the airport. You get paid money, and then they clean your car for you. It's kind of a steal. Definitely check it out. I know I will be. Um... And I think maybe the the most underrated part of this is that your car is insured. So you don't have to worry about who you're letting drive your car because um, Allstate Insurance covers your car for every trip. It's it's just like this seamless plan. Also, if you are somewhere uh, where you would like to rent a car, then use Drift to rent a car. Um, it's, it's a great deal. Obviously, uh, it's cheaper than renting through a rental car agency, and also you get to do it without all of the hassle. So it's perfect if you're just going somewhere for a weekend, but also if you're spending a semester abroad, you can just drop your car off and rent your car out all summer and make your, or all semester and make some money. Uh, It's a great deal. Definitely check it out. I haven't had a chance to do it, obviously, because I haven't traveled. But actually next weekend when I go down to Eugene for the Colorado-Oregon game, I might have to check this out. I don't think I'm renting a car down there, but I might be able to drop my car off. I'd feel bad if I don't clean it just a little more than it is right now. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that and report back. Um, if you if you want to get involved with Drift, go to drivedrift.com. It's drivedrift.com. Uh, okay, uh, time to talk some buffs. Yesterday's show was awesome. It's so much fun talking with... Uh, JJ Tompkins and Taylor Korniak of the Buff soccer team. I cannot stress enough how incredible those two girls are at soccer. I mean, they both played on all of the youth national teams. Taylor is, I think she might even be, like she'll definitely be in the pool of players uh, asked to try out and try to earn a roster spot for the next Women's World Cup for Team USA. But I think there's a good chance that she actually wins one. Um Again, incredible soccer player. J.J. Tompkins is unanimously considered one of the five best uh, women's college soccer keepers in the country. 
Um, it was really cool talking to them because they're also awesome people. If you guys haven't had a chance to listen to yesterday's show when we had them on for the full hour, um, check it out. It was a lot of fun. Uh, got to talk about JJ cremating a chicken, which is weird stuff that I could never come up with by myself on this show. Um, they also play today. I think it's going to be too late for you guys to go watch, but they play at 3.30 at Prent Up Field um, in Boulder, uh, and they're playing Oregon, which should be a good game. I'm headed up there. Uh, they're also playing Oregon State, who's receiving votes in the top 25 poll on Sunday at 2. I will be up there for that game as well. Those games are a blast, and hopefully you guys come check them out. I'm actually on my way up there now, but I stopped at Blake Street Tavern to record this podcast because Blake Street Tavern is the best, and I needed a little bit of food before I left. Um, yeah, so pretty cool stuff. Definitely check out the soccer games. Definitely check out Blake Street Tavern. I asked, and they aren't going to have the Avalanche game tonight. I mean, it makes sense. Nobody's going to have the Avalanche game tonight, which is really disappointing because of the battle between Altitude and the cable companies. So I was going to plug, like, yeah, come back here and watch the Avs game with me if they had found a way to show it, but they didn't, and that's disappointing because it's just impossible. Um not sure how I'm going to watch the game, which is really disappointing. Um, if I come up with something fun, maybe we can all find a spot. If any of you have a spot to watch the game, maybe we can do that. I know there's like a there's a watch party outside Pepsi Center that I'm thinking about going to. Going to see if some other DNVR people are looking for a place to watch the game tonight. Um, really disappointing because it's the first day of the season. But we aren't here to talk about the Avalanche. And honestly, we aren't here to talk about buff soccer because we pretty much covered that yesterday. We are here to talk about uh, kind of the Arizona Wildcats, actually. Um, obviously, buffs football is what is most important here in Boulder at the moment. And they take on Arizona at 2 o'clock, I believe, at Folsom Field on Saturday. Of course, I will be there. Um, there's also a basketball scrimmage that morning. I think there's an open practice like 10 or 10.30 or something, and then the scrimmage from 11 to noon. Um, I'll be checking those out as well. This is a great year for Buffs basketball, but we're all behind on the football talk, so I need to really stop going on these tangents and focus on that. Um, okay, so where do we leave off? Yesterday on the show, obviously, we talked soccer, so I didn't get a chance to talk about what I learned that morning uh, in the media availabilities with Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator, with uh, Alex Fontenot, the starting running back, and the third was Nate Landman, who I actually hadn't heard from from a while, so or for a while, which means it was nice to hear from him because he's a smart guy. And uh, honestly, there are a lot of people on this team who give some really good insights, which is entertaining. Uh, they, they have thoughts about football, and you can tell that they know what they're talking about. All right, uh, so let's dig into it. I think the most interesting stuff probably came from Jay Johnson. Uh, at least that was my my favorite part. And Jay talked about how the offense has kind of improved and what has changed. And he said that one thing that he really thinks sparked this offense against Arizona State was the offensive line because they had some consistency. They had the same five guys play every single snap and he thinks that that's kind of what the team built off of. Everything was stable up front, let Steven Montez stand back in the pocket and distribute the ball, also help the running game. 
um, I don't think that that's a bad take at all. It's good to hear that that's where he thinks it starts too, because that means that that's something that they will continue to emphasize. They see that football is one in the trenches, even if you're playing these weird modern types of college football with the RPOs and spreading people out. It still all starts with the offensive and defensive line. Offensive line for Colorado took a big step last or two weeks ago against Arizona State. And that's something that they're going to need to keep building off of going forward. It sounds like they're pretty happy with the five guys that they have out there. Um, See if they can keep it going. So I think that was the biggest takeaway. He talked a little bit about being more comfortable play calling. Like he's gotten a feel for uh, these guys. Like he knows what the strengths are, weaknesses are, and he knows how to kind of play to those, which is good. That's what you want to hear. You forget that he's somebody who also needs to build chemistry with this team. You know, it's so easy to say like offensive line needs chemistry. Running back needs to figure out how these guys block. And when a, when when this blocking scheme is called for whatever running play, here's what it's going to look like for him. Here's how he can find the holes. So it's good to hear that the offensive coordinator also needs to build that chemistry with these guys, uh, chemistry with his weapons, really, so that he can use them properly. Um, something that I think can get lost. It's not like bad play calling one week means it's going to stay that way. It means that he tried something that didn't work. And there is go- there are going to be times like that because we're still early in the season with a new coaching staff. Uh, so that part I kind of enjoyed listening to as well. Um, he also talked a little bit about the play in the Arizona State game after LaVisca Chenault went off. Uh, there's a fourth down lined Katie Nixon up in the Wildcat, the LaVisca Chenault role. Luckily, a timeout was called before the snap because the snap went over his head because he's significantly shorter than LaVisca Chenault. And I guess Tim Lanaud isn't used to snapping it to him. Or no, is that what it was? Or maybe he even bounced off his hands. What what happened was there was a guy in motion in front of KD, and so the ball was snapped and the guy was in motion. So it kind of screened KD, and then KD kind of got peek at the last second but wasn't able to pull it in because he didn't have time to like react to where the ball was going. It was a mess. Uh, you forget that that's stuff that you have to learn as somebody who is playing in the Wildcat, kind of playing in that quarterback role. Uh, point is... Jay said that they've been working in practice to kind of see what that look would be like, you know, using the Wildcat without LaVisca Chenault if he isn't able to play today or Saturday. And, you know, he said he isn't sure if they'll use it. Uh, They've tried some different guys there, kind of see what it looks like. But it is something that isn't necessarily just going to disappear because LaVisca Chenault isn't available to serve as your Wildcat quarterback. Uh, so something to keep an eye on, something to watch out for. It'd be kind of fun to see more guys in that role. Um, speaking of LaVisca Chenault, still no further update. We're still hearing day-to-day uh, questionable game-time decisions. Same as Mustafa Johnson, same as Chris Miller. No new insights there. But for about a week and a half now, I've been forgetting to mention, this is a point that I've really wanted to make, I've been forgetting to mention that LaVisca Chenault's birthday is Saturday. So I don't know if that means that he's going to be more likely to play. It seems like that could be a thing, you know, like your birthday's on game day. You want to go out, catch a few touchdowns. I don't know. It's all speculation at this point. And if you're speculating, you might as well speculate about something fun, like it being his birthday on Saturday. Also, they're wearing the gold, black, gold 
again, uh, clean look, classic look, uh, most common look at home. I can't remember. I think Brian Howell might have done that research and tweeted it. Gotta gotta give him credit for that. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a lot of what we need to know. They announced their game day captains yesterday, Wednesday afternoon. Um, you'll remember that Mel Tucker is not naming captains for this season. Instead, he is naming captains for each game. Uh, it seems like it, it seems <laughs> like in the big games like Nebraska, the the captains said or the captains were something like LaVisca Chenault, Steven Montez and like Mustafa Johnson or Nate Landman. So that was kind of like the captains you might expect them to have. Um, interesting though, this week it's Nate Landman, James Stefanow, Will Sherman. Uh, good group of guys. Makes sense that you'd want them to be representing your team, rotating through, see how guys respond. I don't know. Uh, if you guys have takes, I'd like to hear your takes on the whole game day captains instead of season long captains. Um, because I honestly don't have strong feelings about that. Uh, it, it's definitely a big decision for Mel Tucker to make. You know, you don't have these leaders. And it isn't, I don't know, it, it can seem like a little thing naming captains because, you know, it's not like all of a sudden the captains are guys who speak on a speak to the team from a podium every day. They, they don't take on any tangible responsibilities. I mean, they go out there before games. But more of it is there's just this expectation for them. You know, if maybe by saying LaVisca Chenault, you're you're a captain that encourages him to speak up more as a guy who's naturally a quieter guy somebody who doesn't speak as much um katie nixon same thing uh maybe there are guys who are on the line of feeling like they need to be leaders this season and mel tucker could have empowered them at the same time he doesn't really know who he wants to empower when he first steps in uh i don't know i i I can see arguments both ways. I really don't even lean one way or the other. Uh, but if you guys have takes on the captain thing, I would love to hear those. Uh, what else did we learn? Oh, yesterday, Tad Boyle, Buffs basketball coach, was actually down in Colorado Springs at the Olympic training facility where the Nuggets are holding their training camp. So he was bumping shoulders with uh, all of the Nuggets, the Nuggets coaching staff. Uh I'd love to hear from him what exactly he was doing down there, what he learned, um, what makes the two-hour drive worth it. Uh, maybe we can figure that out at some point, but worth noting for sure. And that's my job in the notes section to give you guys the notes. Uh, back to Wednesday's media availabilities. We also heard, like I said, from Alex Fontenot. Uh, he had some interesting things to say. You know, Alex is the starting running back. He's a sophomore, but even as a starter, he's splitting carries. He isn't the lead back, and he only rotates out when he's tired. That's not the situation. It's most, I mean, I think he's, I put it in a story. If you guys want the exact numbers, click on my story, subscribe so you could read it about the Buffs running backs. Got some stuff about how they watch film, which I thought was interesting. May have spoiled on the podcast in the past. Would not be surprised. But, uh, the, the splits right now, it's Alex Fontenot at 78 touches maybe, uh, 49 or so for Mangum, and then Deion Smith has seven. But 25 touches of the 78 for Alex Fontenot came that Arizona State game. So they, it was a bit tighter before that. Um, 
So that sets the stage for his comments that his goal is 100 yards every game. And he said that he's actually really disappointed uh, that he has not achieved that. Uh, he had 100 rushing yards against Colorado State. He had 98, 90, 88, 90, something like that um, against Arizona State. But he also had some receiving yards that put him over 100 yards total. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it's another one of those things where more often you hear guys say, oh, I'm just out. I, I go out there, do my job. And he said all that same stuff too. He said like, we're cheering for each other. We're all helping each other. We're all doing whatever we can to keep the offense clicking. That's what's most important. But at the same time, he does have those personal goals and he is one of the few people on the team who's told the media about those personal goals. And, you know, he's in some ways holding himself accountable by saying, you know, I want a hundred yards per game. I think I can do more. Um, not something we hear often uh, from this team, though. Usually we don't even hear an acknowledgement of the personal achievements. Um, I don't. I definitely don't dislike it. I mean, you look at running backs in the NFL, they're typically guys who have that mindset, who have that, I need to go do this. You know, you need to push yourself because so much of what running backs do is it makes a difference. Every little bit makes a difference. If you're an offensive lineman going 94% and going 95% might not be the difference between a sack and not giving up a sack. It might not be the difference between opening up a hole the running back can go through. You know, that, that line is there somewhere. It's wherever you blow the block. It's all assignment based. Um, it's, it's, tangible either you you block your guy you didn't block your guy and maybe there's a little better block maybe there's a little worse block there's the pancake all that kind of stuff so there is a little more to it but a lot of it is did you do your job did you not do your job for running back you got to finish your runs you know if if you go 95 percent at the end of your run hitting the linebacker versus going 100 percent that's going to that's gonna change how many yards you get. Even if it's only a foot, even if it's only six inches, every little bit makes a difference. And so that's kind of what pushes those guys, especially Alex. And he, he knows that he needs to get every one of those because that's what he wants to be for this team. Um, we're going a little long in this first segment. Uh, we're going to cut it off here quick. But uh, he also said that he feels like he's been really close to breaking more big runs. And I would agree. You, you saw that against Colorado State when he would run the ball at the middle, get to the second level, bounce off a linebacker, juke a safety, and get into the end zone. He had, I think he had three touchdowns that game because he was just brushing off tacklers. That's what he was doing. He was in a rhythm, and you could see... I mean, you could see the ceiling for Alex Fontenot, really. You saw what his peak is. Since then... He says, and I agree, that uh, he says he feels like he's getting to the second level and he's getting past the linebackers even, and he just can't make that last guy miss. He feels like he's consistently letting one guy end the run. Like he's just getting, I think the word he used was getting clipped by a safety. And he feels like he's close to breaking a couple more. And I think that that's where some of that disappointment comes from. Looking back on film, he sees some potential for bigger runs that he feels he needs to be breaking. Uh, he hasn't performed poorly by any means. But for him to be one of these guys that we do compare with these top backs in the Pac-12, and there are a lot of really good running backs in the Pac-12, he needs to start turning those into bigger plays. 
And again, something to watch out for. It's something that he's monitoring himself. So from the outside, we should monitor too. We know what his goals are. We know what he sees. Let's see if he can take that next step. All right. Um, time now to talk about Breckenridge Brewery. I'm actually wearing my, I don't even know what this is called. It's like, it's like a sweater. It's like super fuzzy. It's a, I don't, even, I don't know what the word is, but but it has a little Breckenridge Brewery logo on it, and I'm repping it uh, like Sherpa. I feel like the word Sherpa fits in there somehow. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you guys care anyway. Uh, maybe I'll see some of you guys at the soccer game, and you can tell me what this piece of clothing is called. Um, point is, not only does Breckenridge pick good clothes to put their logo on, they also make really good beer. Uh, the Avalanche, the... Uh, Strawberry Sky, of course, Colorado Core, uh, lots of great stuff that I enjoy drinking. And I'm actually not drinking one right now, even though it would have been a great plug, because you can drink those beers here at the Blake Street Tavern. And it's just the perfect combination. My two favorite things, Breckenridge beers uh, and the Blake Street Tavern. I feel like I should throw in the buffs. Maybe even specifically buff soccer. I've turned into like this weird sort of fan now that is not what I expected. But uh, yeah, those are some takes on that. Also, we'll have a bunch. Oh, will we have a bunch of Breckenridge beers? We have a bunch of Breckenridge beers for the tailgates at uh, Broncos games. I'm not sure if we do for the games against or the, the buffs games, but I guess we might. Remember, we are partnering with Blake Street Tavern. Uh, it's like the DNVR BST tailgate outside Franklin Field before every Buffs home game. Uh, West Side, Stall 12, come say hi, come hang out. It's always a blast. Uh, we've been breaking the flabongo out, and if you don't know what a flabongo is, it's pretty much as fun as it sounds. So come flabongo with us. I, I, I don't. I have work to do, but, you know. Um, also want to tell you about Total Beverage which is having an incredible special just for DNVR listeners. Uh, this is something huge. You know, we don't see this very often that somebody is willing to give this big of a discount on something like liquor, beer, wine, spirits, or I think that's how they phrase it. But uh, if you spend $25 or more, you can use the code DNVR2019 and get 30% off. So you could either get like a bunch more for the same price you could get something better for the same price of something worse, or you could just straight up save money on what you always get. And I would also suggest the uh, Breckenridge beers, by the way. They will deliver it all to you anywhere from Lakewood to Boulder, Aurora to Brighton. Uh, and they have super low prices even before the special. They have CBD products. Uh, they have everything. Check them out uh, if you aren't getting your beers here at the Blake Street Tavern. Okay. Uh, moving on, there is one more piece of the media availability that we do have to touch on, and that is uh, Nate Landman, who talked a little bit about the importance of assignments this week against the Arizona Wildcats, because, and that's something we'd heard before, but it's because they run that offense that is, it's an option offense. And it, when, when I say option offense, you probably think of something else, but they're just trying to trick you. They're trying to let you take guys out of the play on their own so that they don't have to waste blockers on them. Um, and there are decisions being made by the quarterback that 
decide what the play actually is. It's an option offense. There are the read options. There are the uh, run pass options. There are the run screen options. It looks honestly very similar to the Buffs offense last year when they were just throwing a lot of those screens. It was very horizontal. And what they're trying to do is just get guys in space so that they can make plays. And if that works, then it's a beautiful offense. And if it doesn't work, it is the most frustrating thing that you can see as a football fan. So Nate talked about how everybody has to do their job. Can't be trying too much to make splash plays yourself. You just have to sit back, let the game come to you, do your job, and everything will work out. He also said that, you know, he was asked, you have not been putting up the tackle for loss stats that you did last year. Why is that? And, you know, it's definitely a very valid question, and Nate handled it really well. He said, you know, I... I am playing a little bit of a different role in this defense. It's less get into the backfield and make those plays, ask him to sit back, play the run a little more, almost conservatively, I would say. I don't think that's the word he used, but it's definitely partly because of the different role. And he also said, and this was interesting, that it's a different, that the the offenses are playing their running game differently. And that might even be because of Nate Landman. What he said is he really does well on the stretch plays where all the blockers just block off to the right and the the running back runs right, finds a gap, and cuts upfield through the gap. You know, usually that's like near the tackle. It's toward the end, um, moving horizontally, finding a gap. And that's where Nate in the past has been able to kind of mirror him, find the gap first and shoot through the hole and hit him in the backfield for tackle for loss. Now he's saying that a lot of it is very quick outside action or very quick inside the running dives, the running tosses. And those are plays that make it a lot harder to, you know, do what Nate is best at. And that's be a really smart cerebral football player, read the line like he's a running back and bust through to make the play. Uh, which is something that I hadn't heard before. I hadn't noticed that teams are running the ball differently, and that probably is because they're trying to take Nate Landman out of the game, and they're doing so successfully. What you got to do to stop that is not let them pick up yards when they run the ball up the middle, not run the ball well when they're going outside. And so it kind of takes that support so that you don't know that you can just do these things. You know, with the stretch run, you're hoping that one of your guys can... I mean, everybody can have an average block and one guy has a very good block that opens up a hole and that's the hole you hit. When you know that you can target somewhere on the defense, you just say, we are going right here. Everybody block for right here and everybody gains leverage on that offensive line. If if you are winning your matchups all across the line, that's tough to do. Uh, you aren't giving them those windows. That's kind of a weird, that's, that's my take. But uh, I don't know. Interesting stuff from Nate Landman on that. Uh, I think that that's kind of the big thing, and we also need to move on. Ah, there's one more thing he didn't mention that with Mustafa Johnson out, he does spend more time lining up the offense or the defensive linemen, making sure they know their assignments because that's something that Mustafa often does himself. He kind of does the communicating there. Nate communicates at linebacker, and then Mikhail Onu communicates in the secondary. So they make the play call. All those guys kind of make sure everybody's on the same page and. With Mustafa out, Nate took on a little bit more of a role, he said, directing the defensive lineman. But also he mentioned that Jalen Sami, the nose tackle, who is a redshirt freshman, 
that Jalen has also been a big help getting everybody lined up. So worth noting, uh, it's a good thing to hear about Jalen Sami, the nose tackle who could be the Buffs' starting nose tackle for three more years after this year. Uh, all right, time to move on to talk about Arizona. Uh, we we do need to talk more about them. We've kind of covered the basics of what that offense is. Uh, gotten a chance to watch that game a couple times now, their game this week against UCLA, a win. Um, You know, we are looking for the pass rush. Was not what it was against Texas Tech. Uh, I think one of the most interesting things I noticed about this defense, which is is a good defense. It isn't. It isn't like some terrible defense, but it has been helped by the turnovers. And I think they've pulled seven turnovers now, seven interceptions even maybe. But that's a lot. And that's kind of what they've based everything off of has been their ability to come up with clutch turnovers, very similar to what the Buffs have done. Giving up a big drive, there's Mikhail Onu coming in to change the game. Um, What I've noticed about the interceptions that... Arizona has taken away from the offense is that they I don't even know what to call what they do here's here's an example here's one example uh the first interception of their game against UCLA there was a they're playing a zone defense on a passing play obviously they run the running back out to the flat they run a receiver a tight end 10 yards downfield on an out route uh, it's like, a, I can't remember if it was cover two, cover three. The point is, uh, the cornerback had, it must have been cover two, the cornerback had uh, the outside zone kind of in the flat, in between those two guys, and then the safety had the guys over the top. And so the safety ended up stepping up to take on the corner, or take on the receiver on the sideline, 10 yards downfield from the guy, the running back, and the cornerback <laughs> stepped up to take the running back. That way they have everybody covered. Obviously, two guys there. You have your deep guy cover their deep guy, your short guy cover their short guy, except that the cornerback didn't actually commit. So he took two, three steps forward like he was going to crash down the running back, stops, takes two steps back. At that point, the quarterback had already made his decision and he just undercuts that route. And it looks like a terrible decision. And it was a terrible decision because you didn't let the coverage actually play itself out. You let them show what they want to see. And it was almost like this little bluff that he was cutting short and dropping back. We saw the same thing in the uh, first game at Folsom. That would have been Nebraska, where I think Steven Montez threw a pick like that uh, on the sideline, just got baited by the corner who took a couple steps out on some outside routes to look like he was covering one guy, then just steps back. And that was actually Steven Montez's first throw downfield, I believe, in that game. He got baited on that same play. That was when he was throwing all those short routes early. Uh, then you, we also talked about this after the one open uh, practice, the scrimmage at Folsom Field during fall camp when Davion Taylor was coming on a blitz off the edge, took a few steps in, and then stopped. Took those three steps back, jumped up, and I can't remember if he got his hands on the ball on the slant route that was coming in behind him, but... He was definitely really close to getting it, and I mentioned that on the podcast as, is that something the Buffs are actually going to try to do, or was that just a heads-up play, or was that him quitting on the play and not actually going to hit the quarterback? But that is an action that 
we've talked about a little bit, and it's something that Arizona has pulled some interceptions on, and it's something that uh, Steven Montez has struggled with handling, or, or at least he had that one. I, I can't remember another interception that he's thrown like that. There really haven't been many interceptions, but that's something to watch out for. Will Steven Montez, first of all, will he have the time to finish these reads off, make sure that guys are actually going where he thinks they're going, and then will he make the right read and then throw the ball? So keep an eye on that. If if you see an interception that is like that, then we can all just be kind of smug about it together and be like, oh, yeah, figured, saw that one coming. Uh, another thing that Arizona's defense does really well is send disguised pressures. You know, make it unclear. I mean, they'll, they'll use a bunch of different fronts. They'll, they'll, they're base 3-3, three, three, then they'll throw four guys up on the line. They'll do the double A-gap stuff. They'll do like this random put guys in weird spots thing so it isn't just, you know, the two middle linebackers at the inside spots. They'll blitz corners. They'll do all this different type of stuff out of different looks and it's tough to read and we saw them have a lot of success in using it against Texas Tech less so against UCLA uh, another interesting note though is this this is very similar to what the Arizona State defense does and the Buffs offensive line handled it perfectly uh, so hopefully I mean we've seen that Arizona when they do this stuff isn't perfect that it is stoppable it isn't just like magic and we've also seen the buff stop something similar those are two very good signs that maybe the buffs have figured out how to handle this stuff you know colorado might not have the most talented offensive line you know you look at guys at oregon and you're just like wow these are five incredibly large incredibly athletic men you know buffs offensive line it's not like they're super undersized or anything but they're not the cream of the crop in college football. What they do have, though, is a quite a bit of experience. You know, Tim Lanott, Colby Purcell, Arlington Hambright, obviously, is a grad transfer from, oh, Auburn. Yes, Auburn. Jalen Harris is Oklahoma State. I always get those mixed up. Um, but they do have that going for them, and they've seen these looks, and we've seen that pay off in that Arizona State game. So you'd hope that for a defense that, is pressuring teams more with the, their strategic decisions, their tactical decisions, than with their pure athleticism, that's something that should bode well for an offensive line that is the very same. It's not that they're worried about being outsmarted. It's just that they're worried about not being physical enough to be able to take on the defensive line. And Chris Kapilovic came up with a brilliant plan. Tim Lanott said earlier this week that against Arizona State, they just felt prepared. They felt like they'd seen on tape everything that Arizona State was showing them, which is impressive because it's a lot of different stuff. So hopefully the same is true this week. Who knows? Maybe Arizona comes up with a couple of creative new pressures or they have something in the bag that they haven't shown yet this season. They'll cut, catch the buffs off guard. And even if there is like this one or two plays where they do get the press pressure it'll be because they have these one or two plays in the bag that the buffs haven't seen and and consistently though i expect to see this colorado offensive line hold up well outside of a couple plays that are going to be pretty ugly that'd be my prediction there um honestly though that is the battle to watch you know maybe the can steven montez and these receivers 
not let the Arizona zone defense stop them. And it isn't all zone. They do a lot of man coverage too, but the zone is where they are making some of those plays. Uh, can can Steven Montez not make bad decisions there? But more than that, can the offensive line keep him safe from this Arizona offensive line? It's going to be a chess match up there. And uh, we should maybe maybe next week we can get McChesney on to talk about what he saw from that chess match because that's I mean that's where he lives. That's what he lives for. Uh, yeah. What else do we need to know? Um, Arizona offense, like I said, pretty gimmicky. Uh, so those option type stuff it's very similar to what the Buffs ran last year. Hopefully, it doesn't give you guys PTSD. But what they're trying to do is get their playmakers in space. And if you watch the last couple games they've played, they really haven't had many long, sustained drives. They aren't going for nine, ten plays, just grinding their way down the field. They're getting these big burst plays. I mean, Cleo Tate's 80-something yard run, we've referenced it before in that Texas Tech game. Or, yeah, Texas Tech. Uh, I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff they did that keeps them in games. Things aren't looking good for the offense, but then all of a sudden they break free. Uh, you see that in the passing game as well. When they'll throw a little screen pass, it goes quite a ways. Cleo Tate with his legs doing the same thing. Uh, running backs getting loose too. That's what they want to do is just get chunk plays they're a splash offense they aren't the most consistent though and if the buffs can limit those splash plays which might be a stretch then things should be good things should be really good defensively for this Colorado football team um it seems like it would be a good game for them to really start to slow down the the big plays they give up you know the way the season goes it's almost like each week is some different test you know, last week for the offensive line, can we handle these weird pressures? Uh, can Steven Montez step up in the pocket? Jay Johnson also mes- mentioned that in the press conference, like Steven Montez did if you aren't caught up. They've been working a lot on having Steven step up in the pocket instead of panicking. Gives his feet something to do, and he just looks a lot more in control, something that we've seen in the games as well. Um, but can he step up and be that guy? And he did that. Uh Lots of these little test games. And this week, the test is you're going up against an offense that's built against big or built on big plays. Can you come out and stop the big plays and really shut them down? We'll see. Maybe they're ready. Maybe they're not. It's been a struggle, obviously. That's what I'm looking for on that side of the ball. More than anything, how does Colorado limit the big plays? And just because I think that this is important to mention, I actually saw a stat today of 20 plus yard gains given up uh in the pac 12 colorado ranks sixth dead center there it's definitely a problem it's something you want to get cleaned up you see I i think they had 21 utah's only given up 11 they're the best it's a huge difference obviously but that's the difference between a very good defense and an average defense you know it's not it's not horrible what the bus defense is doing they've actually been an average defense uh, maybe a little below average, but th- this is how college football works. You do have those big plays, and it's frustrating, and if you can cut them out, then you're in really good shape, and that's what every team is trying to do, but it isn't just Colorado that's having these issues, and I think that that's worth noting. Uh, you'd like to see it get cleaned up, though. I think that that's a lot of what you need to watch out for. Uh, obviously, we don't know which quarterback is playing. The freshman or the senior uh 
very different guys. Uh, defensively, I would also note that you know those corners are really good. I, it's it's not just that they have the senses. They're they're also solid in man coverage. They can trail a guy across the field. Um, linebackers though have made some mistakes, and so that's another thing I'll say. Maybe maybe this is a game where the tight ends or even running backs get a little more involved, or even you just see the slot receivers used more going across the middle of the field. Um, now you guys kind of know what I'm looking for, what my game plan would be uh, in this game. Let me know. I yeah, we're we're doing the draft pod tomorrow. Me and Andre Simone. Uh, so this will be the last time we get this deep into this game. But if you guys have any thoughts, I would still love to hear them. Um, especially that we'll do a post game pod Saturday. I'm not sure if we'll get to any of your comments until Monday's pod, but I don't know. We'll see how we go. Didn't think that we'd get to yesterday's comments with the soccer players either, but wanted to see if it'd be a fun bit, and it was an all right bit. Okay, uh, there's your preview. We're going to get into comments. I know we have at least a couple in the final segment, but first I want to tell you about StravaCraft Coffee, um, which... Soccer players famously are not allowed to use because there's CBD in it, but that's the whole point because CBD fixes your problems um, most of the time. Okay, I don't know about that. For a lot of people, CBD has done a lot of great things, and a lot of them have said we didn't even know what exactly uh, those things are until we try it. You don't even realize there's an issue until it can fix it, whether it's you know anxiety, IBS back pain, you've heard me say these things, CBD will help you and Strava Craft Coffee is one of the best ways to get that inside of you. Uh, it's great coffee, should definitely check it out. If you use code BSN2019 at checkout, you can get 20% off and they'll ship it straight to your door. You don't even have to go to a store. Um, check them out, it's awesome stuff. All right, we are getting into your comments now and the first one comes in from Elrod. That was a fun episode, though I'm a soccer fan that keeps up with the team and tries to make it out to print up at least once a season. For the generally hardcore Buffs football fans, I think you missed some opportunities to tie it back. Like, what's their opinion of supporting each other's teams, favorite athletes from other things, best things to do in Boulder, etc.? I totally agree. I 100% agree. That was all the stuff that I was really excited to talk about, honestly, but everything was just flowing so naturally, and we had so many things to talk about that we missed a few important points on my agenda because those conversations went a little bit long, but interesting stuff if you're interested in it. Specifically, I did want to hear about the support they've gotten from each other's teams. Um, you know, obviously, LaVisca Chenault is out there for... I, he might have been at... He's definitely been at every buff soccer game I have been to. Evan Batty from the basketball team is out there all the time. Obviously, KD goes with LaVisca pretty much wherever KD or LaVisca goes, so there's that too. They There's just like this... 10 to 12 to 20 deep group of football players who are just at every soccer game and they get pretty into it too. So that's fun stuff. Also basketball team. There's like this little community that's building within buffs athletics. That's pretty cool. They're all supporting each other. And I did want to talk about that, but we, we had so many other things to talk about. We just did not get a chance and we were running up on the time that I told them it would take. And I think they're having fun. I think they definitely would talk more, but at the same time, I don't want to make them late for whatever they had planned, and we're just doing everything live. Okay. Um, yeah. 
best things to do in Boulder. Would have loved to hit that too. Favorite athletes from other teams. Obviously, good stuff. I guess this just means that we're gonna have to keep getting people in from other sports. It'd be it'd be fun to get, I don't know, get a soccer player, get Taylor JJ to come back with one of their friends from another team, and get a couple basketball players on here, get more football players on here. I think that honestly, yesterday went so well with those two, and we had so much fun. And I feel like it was good content, even if even if it wasn't the content that you were expecting to hear, or even the content you want to hear. If you want to hear about football, I still think that it was good, interesting things that they were saying, even if maybe it missed what you come to this podcast for, if that makes sense. Um, the fact that it did go so well, though, uh, made me even more excited to try to do this again with more student athletes, whether they're football players, whether they're, we haven't talked at all about the cross country team, mostly because they've had like three weeks off, but they're the best cross country team in the country. Uh, they have last year's national champion. They were the women's were the national champion team. So we need to find a way to talk about them just a little bit, at least, um, basketball starting up, hopefully get a couple of those guys on before the season starts football, obviously, Point is, yesterday went so well, we had so much fun that I would love to keep trying to make this stuff happen more. And I hope that you guys are interested in that because that's just my take. Oh, and I swiped out of the pages. I was trying to swipe down for the rest of the comment. rest of the comment is, uh, overall, you're doing a great job of providing content every day. Keep it up. Ah, love it. Uh, you're doing a great job of listening every day. So I appreciate you too, Elrod. Uh, Silverbuff says, next guest appearance request, Stefano. Dude is too unique to not have on the show. Yes. Okay. So I have like this weird thing with James Stefan. Like I've talked to him a couple times. He's hilarious. Obviously has an accent, which like it's tough to not be cool when you have an Australian accent and he doesn't like play into it, but he just talks like an Australian does. And that makes it even cooler. Like he says like mate in his accent. And he says like all of those types of things. Uh, always a blast talking to him. Even if you don't like you could be, you could not understand English and still just be happy sitting and listening to him talk for 10, 15 minutes. I'd love to have him on. Um, I always feel weird though, because so much of his reputation is built off of him being the oldest kicker in the country of him being like 30, 30. I think he's 30 now. Is he 32? 30. I think he's 30. Um, and so like bar stools out doing videos with it, like altitude. I love altitude and Vic Lombardi did a great job, but, they talked to him about how old he is and made some jokes about it. And he's played into it. He's been like a good sport. But there are some other stories. And as I'm saying this, I was going to say this is a thing like we're not going to have him on here just to talk about how old he is because I know he has to do that a lot. And that's kind of been covered. But the more I think about it, the more I think we do kind of have an opportunity here to let him talk about things other than being old. Like he has a kid on the way. I think a little girl on the way. Um, so, yeah. Cool guy. Uh, he would definitely be a good one to have on. I don't know. But what I try to do when I have people on like that like, is have JJ and Taylor because then they don't feel the pressure. Like if it's a one-on-one -on -one thing, then it's like me and them, but they have somebody, they have like a friend to bounce things off of and like they have like some chemistry coming into it already, you know, if that makes sense. And so I'm not sure who I'd bring in with Stefan. I could obviously like talk to him, like who are you close with on the team and figure something out. Definitely a good suggestion for somebody to have on if we're going to do something like what we did with Taylor and JJ, which I think went pretty well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And I want to go back to yesterday's comments because not going to lie, we answered those pretty horribly. Uh, and also there's a new one. Um, 
Oh, it's Silver Buff replying. Okay, so Buff and Dan, Buff and Dan, Buff and Dan. Yeah. Uh, he said, "Would love to hear from Coach Tucker his philosophy on going on offense first when we win the toss." I think that that's actually a very good question, and I don't think it's one that has been asked. Um, I th- I don't know. I think I like it. I think you you go with your strength first, set the tone. And I think there's a better chance that Colorado comes out and sets the tone with their offense. Obviously, getting the ball in the second half is a thing. Like, that's something a lot of teams want. And there's reason to be wanting them. But, yeah, I think I, I, I think I like that he does go offense first because that's your strength. So play your strength, set the tone early, and hopefully it doesn't even matter what's going on in the second half. It doesn't matter who gets the ball more because... You've already you've already established what this game is. Um, now I will ask him and see if he says the same thing I said. Uh, Silver Buff said, "quote Relentless," and I think that that is kind of it. Relentless. Get your foot on the pedal early and then hold it there, um, which sounds a lot better. I think it's like the, somebody said, "Put your foot on their throats and leave it there." I can't remember what he was referencing or what sport it was. It's a lot uglier than what I said. Um, we read through Ben Bechter's uh, comment yesterday, uh, so you guys have heard that, but there were a couple points that I did want to touch on. First of all, the Broncos are a disaster, so definitely be paying more attention to the buffs. And instead of spending your Sunday being disappointed, here's what's going to happen Sunday. Call, uh, Denver is going to play the Chargers in L.A., and everybody's going to make jokes about how, well, at least it's a home game because the Chargers have no fans, and it will be very valid. And... The Broncos will go in there, and maybe they'll even score first. They'll be up 3 nothing because they aren't going to be able to score touchdowns. And you're going to be like, oh, maybe this is the game. And then they're going to like hang in it, and you're going to go into the fourth quarter, and it's going to be like 17-13 or something like that. And it's going to be just close enough that it actually frustrates you that an 0-4 team loses, even though that's something that we should all be expecting. So since I told you what's happening in that game, instead, just come hang out with me at the – soccer game so I can stop bothering all these parents by <laughs> just sitting with them. Um, okay, so yeah, 2 o'clock, Oregon State, come watch soccer. It's going to be a lot of fun. We can even stream the game on my phone or something. Uh, on Montez, yes, it, the pocket presence footwork, so much better. That's huge. Hopefully they do keep working on it. It's frustrating, like you said, um, that it isn't always that way. But I do think that I I do think that he can keep building on this and become more consistent in this offense because I mean I I love Darren Shiverini he's he's always been great to me he's had some interesting things to say I think he's obviously an incredible recruiter look at what he's done with these receivers once they've gotten here he is really good at a lot of things I don't think that he was a great play caller I think that there's a reason that he doesn't have a job calling plays right now and once they like we talked about earlier with Jay Johnson, seeing how this offense works, seeing how you can use it, all these different weapons, how he can counter the defenses he sees. I think he's a guy who can, he's experienced in that kind of stuff. He's older than Darren. He's been around football longer. He knows how to turn that experience into building building up his play calling, learning how to use these weapons and continuing to develop and putting his guys in better situations as the season progresses instead of doing the same things and sometimes defenses figure it out and sometimes they don't and that's a lot of why this team seemed up and down and Steven Montez in particular seemed very up and down 
Um, I think that Jay Johnson really can be a stabilizing force there and even one that can kind of not not just stabilize, but just slowly build. And that's what I'd like to see. Obviously, that's a very optimistic view, but I don't think that it's out of line, obviously, or I would not be saying it. Um, yeah. Uh, B. Bechter also mentions that he's outplayed expectations. Um in the bottom of the list of concerns for this team, best quarterback in CU or at CU in a long time. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the the thing about him, the reason that he isn't just beloved, is because you can see that there's more in there. Whereas a lot of the quarterbacks they've had, you know, they've gotten pretty much everything they can out of their talent, their abilities, um, and that just makes them easier to love. Uh, Steven Montez still not there yet. I do think he can get there especially with the help of Jay Johnson and this offense, this offensive line, the weapons. If, yeah, that's that's enough on that. Uh, says, looking forward to next year, I'm guessing we'll be in the market for a grad transfer at quarterback. I agree. Um, I really agree. I really do. Um, it just makes more sense. Obviously, I'm actually, I was talking about this with Adam Munster-Tiger a couple days ago, and basically, like, we don't get to see practice, and so we can't see how good those guys are. But when we have seen them, we've been like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Um, but not guys who you say, oh, this is the future of Buffs football. And that's why, I mean, that guy could be Brendan Lewis. Like like you say, he's going to be in here next year. He's a quarterback, dual threat, um, seven total touchdowns in a Texas high school game last week, 200 rushing yards, 300 passing yards. He's a monster. Um, whether he's ready to go right away, who knows? Uh, you could definitely be looking for a transfer to be a stopgap guy, and and I can almost guarantee you that the Buffs will be looking at the transfer market. Whether they actually get a guy, who knows? But I would be so shocked if they don't at least look for somebody who could fill that role for them. All right, uh, I think that's it for today. Like I said, uh, Saturday, come to the watch party. Sunday, come watch some soccer. Or not the watch party Saturday. It's actually the tailgate outside Folsom Field. It's always a blast. Uh, subscribe. Subscribe on iTunes. Ooh, leave me good reviews. I really appreciate those. Um, five stars. Those are huge for us. And I will be back with Andre Simone tomorrow to talk about everything that's been going on in college football, everything that's coming up in college football. And we'll talk some buffs too. Uh, appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, I think that's it. Bye, guys. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it, play. I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it, go. You know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we station, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh -huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey, hey. Hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the last. Yeah. My Colorado swag in the 
middle of the ring. Throwing blows, knocking down team after team. They like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a ram? Nine bow to Colorado. Buffalo is what I am. All the teams come and follow. When I start, hit the field. The opposing crowd swallow. Cause they know I'm about to kill. He gon' feel that tomorrow. Whole team full of warriors. Got me feeling tribal. Big 12, here we come. We ain't worried about arrival. If you want it, come and get it. We'll wait for your arrival. When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival. Why you make it, why you make it. Yeah, you better bring your Bible. Great big blind side, flat line, no revival. Get them bust, get them bust. Mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it, play. I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it, go. You know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a bust with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my